We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in to the LakersNation.com podcast. We have the Lakers in the midst of maybe a turnaround. We'll talk a bit about that, plus the trade market. We've got that trade deadline coming up on February 8th. On today's show, we've got a guest, Jovan Buha from The Athletic. Jovan, welcome in. Thank you for having me. So the Lakers right now been a little bit more enjoyable to watch than they were for a number of weeks there. They've won four of their last six games. Uh, let me just start with this. Is this real? Is this indicative of what this team actually is as compared to that post-in-season tournament slump that we saw? Or is this more of a mirage? I think it's real. Uh, I, I think that, you know, the, the team we've seen over the last six games or so, they've gone four and two uh, with quality wins over the Clippers, the Thunder and the Mavericks. Uh, that is who this team is. Uh, I, I think the rotations have made more sense recently. I, I think I, I've liked this new starting lineup. This is new old starting lineup uh, going back to the, the original one. But uh, I think Darvin Ham has been pushing the, the correct buttons the last couple of games. Uh, LeBron James said as much last night. And I, I think just this new rotation makes sense. And we'll see ultimately what happens with the trade deadline and when Cam Reddish returns, uh, if Gabe Vincent ultimately returns at some point, like how this ends up looking. But for the most part, uh, I think the Lakers have a clear identity offensively now. That starting group has played really well together, uh, just leaning into the offensive end, leaning into more spacing around LeBron and AD. What a novel concept, by the way. Uh, but a lot more off-ball movement um, and, and just screening and, and activity. And I, I think it's unlocked D'Angelo Russell. He's been playing some of his best basketball, uh, not only of the season, but probably as a Laker uh, period uh, over the last few games. And then uh, the, come in with Christian Wood, Rui Hachimura, Jared Vanderbilt, uh, just kind of junk the game up with, with these bigger lineups and uh, a lot of length and, and size and athleticism. So... I think the Lakers are starting to figure out their identity. Now, it has been two games. So with this group, you, you never know if they're going to regress to some of the, the bad habits and, uh, you know, some of the, the, the turnovers and the, the, you know, I think lack of intensity and, and giving up offensive rebounds and, and some of that stuff. But, you know, given the, the caliber of opponents that they've beaten over these last few games, it does start, uh, it does feel like they're starting to turn a corner. And we'll, we'll see with, with Brooklyn and Portland. Like I'm interested to see how they handle playing some lesser teams with, with bottom 10 defenses. Like, do they come out with the same urgency? And if they do, uh, then I, I think it, it, you know, certainly is turned around by that point. 
if, you know, for decades, the Lakers have been a team that tend to play down to their opponents. So hopefully that doesn't happen here against uh, Portland and Brooklyn. But uh, Torian Prince in the starting lineup, there's been a lot of Lakers fans have been talking about this and whether or not that's actually the right move. I'm on board with Team Vanderbilt simply to make up for the defensive concerns of, of D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves. But Torian does provide a little bit on the offensive end, does provide that three-point shooting. Where do you stand? Is he the guy that should be starting? And I guess, does it matter all that much at the end of the day? I, I think it matters. And I, I'm with you and I, I think most Laker fans in that I, I think it should be Jared Vanderbilt. Just go back to the starting lineup that worked last season. Of course, there is a major difference between Torian Prince and Jared Vanderbilt on the offensive end. Uh, I think you could also argue there's a major difference between them on the defensive end. Um, I, I think the Lakers view it as there is a bigger gap on the offensive end than on the defensive end. Um, you know, and, and I, I thought, you know, putting like, but I would just say looking at the last couple games, um, I, I thought OKC and Dallas, like if you, if you want to look at the, maybe the downside of, of this starting lineup and, and kind of nitpick some stuff. Like I, I thought Dallas and OKC both generated a lot of quality three point looks in both games and just missed a bunch. And the Lakers have been due for some positive, shot luck with their opponent shooting we could go back about a month ago to the dallas game in dallas where dante exum hits seven threes grant williams uh, hits five threes and like so they, they've been on the other side of that where opponents who have been struggling have obviously shot the ball well and part of that's game plan but part of that's just you know luck and uh guys just having you know career or season best nights against them uh but to me like i, I do think that there's an element of having Torian Prince basically as your wing stopper, there's a clear limitation there of like, I, I didn't think he matched up that well against Shea or Luca. And, and that's not a surprise because that's not really what he is defensively. I, I think he's you know an above average defender, a, a solid defender in certain matchups, but I don't think you want him as that primary guy uh, defending an opponent's best, like one through three players. So to me, I, I ultimately think that they probably have to trend in the Vando direction. Uh, now that does change the way the offense looks. And right now, I think the one thing that is probably being overlooked a little bit with Torian is with his gravity and, and the way that defenses guard him, he is someone the Lakers are using in that weak sp uh, the weak side spot a lot where defenses aren't going to necessarily cheat off of him because he is a near 40% three-point shooter. So you put Vando in that same spot and it, regardless of really where you put Vando, uh, whoever is guarding him, is going to be in the paint. So I, I think it does give the Lakers a different look offensively. So far, it's been working. We'll, we'll see ultimately. I mean, they're about to have a brutal Grammy road trip for six games, 12 days on the road. We'll see how, you know, if they continue with this group, how that looks. Uh, but to me, I, I'm overall in the aggregate, I, I'm with the consensus that I think Jared Vanderbilt is just a better player and, and a much better point of attack and an on-ball defender gives, I think, some cover for D'Lo and Austin and some of their weaknesses. We saw it work last season before the Denver series. Uh, but I think right now the Lakers are just looking at our offense has been so bad. We need better spacing around LeBron and AD. And, and when we have that, you see the results. You see you know, D'Lo's going off uh, with, with proper spacing. I mean, Austin's been like this distant fourth option, and, and we know what Austin could do. So I think right now they're, they're trying to lean into the offensive end. Uh, but I think as they continue to kind of figure out the best lineups and rotations. I do think Jared Vanderbilt makes more sense.
Now, one thing, and, and again, I'm in agreement. I think Jared Vanderbilt should be in the starting lineup. I think conceptually he makes more sense in order to, to mitigate those defensive concerns with Austin Reeves and D'Angelo Russell if you're going to commit to that backcourt moving forward. Maybe post-trade deadline, we'll talk about that in a minute, that might look, look very different. But I did think in the game against the Mavs, uh, the minutes really kind of worked out in the way that a lot of people have been saying they should. Torian Prince played 21 minutes. Uh, meanwhile, Vando, who was hot defensively, he was great, and especially defending Luka, uh, 26 minutes for him. Rui Hachimura got 22. In the past, we've been seeing these 30-plus minutes for Torian Prince. It felt like that was a little bit heavy towards Prince. Uh, and then things kind of righted themselves in this game against the Mavs. So let me ask you this. Torian Prince got in foul trouble against Dallas. Is this what we should expect moving forward? Or the fact that Torian's minutes were cut a little bit against the Mavs and those minutes were then inherited by uh, mostly Jared Vanderbilt, or maybe you could say a little bit Rui Hachimura, was that simply a, a symptom of Torian Prince being in foul trouble? I'm sorry to break it to Laker fans, but I, I think it was a symptom of Torian Prince being in foul trouble. Um, oh. There was a point in, in the fourth quarter where Darvin was actually about to sub Torian back in, and the game was basically already out of hand, but Dallas was making a little bit of a run. I think they cut it to like 18 or something. And then there was a timeout, and then he didn't go back to Torian at that point. So I think he just realized, uh, you know, maybe, <laughs> let's save his legs for, for the next right. game for 35 minutes. But I, I think, you know, that, that's the unfortunate thing with all this is um, yeah, I think if you survey every fan base, there's always the one player uh, in, in a rotation that ends up playing more than the fan base thinks should be playing. Like, I, I don't think any coach has a perfect rotation. Um, so I, I feel like, again, you, you survey every all 30 fan bases, there's going to be the one guy who's playing you know, two to 10 minutes more than he probably should be. And I, I think Torian has had some usefulness again. Like he's been in that 38 to 39% three-point shooting uh, for a majority of the season. He did have that rough stretch earlier in the year uh, and, and does have the occasional game where he goes like 0 for 5. But for the most part, he's been a pretty solid three-point shooter. I think defensively, uh, he's been overtaxed with some of his matchups. But when he's able to guard like the number two or number three option, I, I think he more than holds his own and um i think he's been you know bet like if you look at some of the recent guys the lakers have had like i think he's been better than a, a malik beasley or a troy brown like comparing him to sure. guys in, in similar you know price points and, and roles but the problem has been with the vando injury with Rui being injured with cam being injured you've seen torian thrust into this role that just is i think too large for him and to me he's more of a eighth guy off the bench and, and maybe he's like an 18 to 22 minute a night player but for the lakers he's often been a 30 to 35 minute a night player and that's just i think you're asking too much from him in that role and at some point there's diminishing returns when a guy is is, is kind of just forced to do a little bit too much and i really think you've seen it more in the, the you know, pe people could talk again about the, the shooting and maybe some of the inconsistency to me it's been the rebounding like the lakers are just yeah. too small with torian at the three I think they're much better with him at the two and you put Vando at the three, uh, put Rui at the three, put LeBron at the three. That just makes a lot more sense to me. Uh, but uh, Torian's gotten a lot of flack and some of it is deserved, I guess, to some extent. But some of it's also just I think he's been put in a really tough position where he's being asked to do certain things that he's just not capable of. And that's not his fault. It's, it's really been, I think, more of a misuse of him and just asking too much of him. When again, I, I think to me, he's more of a seventh, eighth, ninth guy off the bench that you're, you're asking 18, 20 minutes, not what he's been doing as a starter. I agree 100%. And we've been talking about that on this show, that, that Torian Prince is a rotation player. The fact that he's being asked to do more 
is not his fault. That's not that's not on him. And I, I feel like part of it too is he's seen as Darvin's guy. That's become the thing in the fan base, right? He's seen yeah. as Darvin's guy. So when there's frustration towards Darvin Ham, Torian Prince through that connection kind of catches some of the strays there as well, which is, sure. you know, he hasn't done anything to, to really deserve that. Um, but again, he probably does get leaned on a bit too much in terms of the rotation, in terms of the minutes that they're putting on him. That's not his fault, but it, it is a thing that we're saying creates some frustration with Lakers fans. Uh, but this improvement, four wins in the last six, you've got some winnable games ahead on the schedule. What does all of this do to the team's urgency at the trade deadline and what are you hearing at the moment in terms of where they're at yeah so really it feels like the the goalposts keep moving because uh you know for the last month month and a half in, in conversations i had been having the the consensus was sort of let's get to january 15th let's see where we're at uh you know we, we want to evaluate certain guys and in, in our lineups and rotations and different things and Obviously, things have not gone as planned over the past month or so and with, with the skid that they've been on. But I also think due to certain injuries and the lineup fluctuation and they went with the all-wing lineup, then they went back to a more traditional lineup, then now they're going with the all-offense lineup. And like th there's just been so much in flux. Like I, I look at, you know, D'Lo kind of personifies it to me where three weeks ago, D'Lo got benched and, and you know, for that all-wing lineup. Uh, and then just... A week ago, D'Lo played 16 minutes in a game, and then all of a sudden, you know, now he's back playing mid to high 30s. He, he's playing some of the best basketball of the season. So it, it's like just his role alone kind of shows like how much has changed with this team in in the last really last week, but but even going back several weeks now. Um, so what I'm hearing is the team is continuing to evaluate like you know who are our best guys, what what is what is our identity right now. And, and how do we kind of supplement that? Um, and really the thing you hear is like, they want to make a, a difference making move. I, I don't think they, they want to like, you know, if they're going to give up a draft pick and, and, you know, they're going to give up some of the continuity that they finally have started to build in, in recent weeks. And with some of that core, they want to bring in a guy who, who's going to be a difference maker. And there are some smaller moves I, that they can make that, um, you know, might just, you know, in their opinion, uh, bolster the depth or bolster the bench. Um, and, and that's certainly in play. But if they're going to give up, you know, D'Lo and, and, and JHS and, and a pick and a swap and like, you know, I, I think some of their more coveted assets, of course, Austin Reeves, um, like it has to be a difference maker. And I don't think any of the guys that they've been linked to have really reached that level other than DeJounte Murray. Um, mm -hmm. and you never know who a, a dark horse all-star is going to become available. And, you know, maybe that swings things, but with Austin Reeves, um, you know, he, he's not fully untouchable, but it has to be that like clear cut third level all-star guy. And, you know, I, I think it would have to be someone on the level of a Pascal Siakam, a, a Lori Markin in, um, you know, Pascal obviously just got moved to Indiana. So he's off the board, Lori, Utah wants. You know, everything for him so like I, I don't see that being a realistic outcome but for for DeJounte for Zach Levine uh, I don't see the Lakers including Austin Reeves in those talks and with D'Lo like uh, I, I mean we'll we'll see how he can maintain the, the streak that he's been on these last few games but uh, you know this version of D'Lo like yes DeJounte Murray is is a better player still but is it worth the the potential 
um, you know, draft capital and, and young assets that you'd have to give up. Like, I, I think that's something the Lakers are considering. But from what I've heard, you know, DeJounte is the, the most realistic one of the guys that they've been linked to. That That's one that they've had conversations with Atlanta on. Um, you know, at, at the, there was some framework discussed with that. Uh, but it, it does sound like if something happens, it's probably going to be more, you know, closer to the February 8th trade deadline with the Lakers continuing to evaluate not only their own roster, but you know, who else is going to be available? And is there a way that we can drive some of these prices down? Because right now everyone's asking for, you know, when you're three weeks out from the trade deadline, you want the world and, and, yeah. and you're asking, you know, I want Austin Reeves. I want a pick. I want two pick swaps. I want JHS. I want Max Christie. Like people are, they're going to ask for everything from the Lakers. So I think that that's how these things go. You, you start high, you, you progressively get closer to, a middle ground and then you find a deal you know typically within those last few days before the trade deadline so from my understanding that's the way that this is trending you know closer to the the, the february 8th trade uh, trade deadline but ultimately we'll, we'll see you know, you know like i look at the rui deal last year that was something that wasn't really on anyone's radar and all of a sudden it kind of popped up rui was available a little bit earlier and the lakers were able to make a deal that uh ended up you know, changing their season. So uh, right now, you know, I, I think they have three needs. Uh, it, it's the backcourt. It, it's more speed and athleticism. It's probably upgrading that wing spot with uh, a better player or a better fitting player than Torian, Rui, Vando, more of just a, a traditional 3 and D guy. Uh, and, and then the backup center spot, Christian Wood has been playing better recently, but maybe an upgrade over at Jackson Hayes. So those are the three things they're looking at. Uh, but I think the the perimeter stuff, you know, be it a guard or a wing, is the more likely outcome. Uh, but between now and the February eighth trade deadline, yeah, all of that makes sense, and all that goes along with what I've been hearing as well, as far as uh, what the Lakers are looking to do out there on, on the trade market right now. The talks with Atlanta, kind of where where that went. My understanding, the Lakers are not interested in, in putting Austin Reeves into that kind of a deal, uh, despite that being what Atlanta and what really any team is going to ask for. As soon as the Lakers start negotiations, every team's going to say, well, what about Austin Reeves? Can we throw him into the deal? Um, my What I've heard is that if the Lakers are going to make a move, it's going to be D'Angelo Russell. If it's going to be a bigger move, it's it's probably not It's not going to be Austin. It's That's, that's the least likely. Most likely not going to be Rui either, that it's D'Angelo Russell that they're kind of focused in on on potentially moving and number one is, is that what you've been hearing as well and then number two he i mean he dropped 39 points the other day had 29 against against dallas do they move away from that as we get closer to the trade deadline if he's able to keep this up it's a good question and it's something i i've been talking to people about the last couple of days um it, it does sound like the, the plan still is to trade him if they make a bigger move um and part of it's just you know uh, looking at the contract situation of yep. austin reeves is under contract for three more years uh he does have a player option on the the final season of his deal but he's on a team-friendly cost-controlled uh contract that is one of the better values in the league for a non-star and you know a non-rookie deal so um you're just comparing you know it, it, I know Austin and D'Lo kind of naturally get pitted against each other, given uh, the the redundancy and, and sort of the overlap with their skill set. Uh, obviously, D'Lo has been playing much better the, these last uh, you know the last week or so, but you know, go back a, a few weeks and it was Austin who was the one that was playing better, and like they, they've kind of yo-yoed with, with who's been the better player at, at various points this season. But 
again, you know, D'Lo has a player option for next season. Uh, if he has a really good year and continues to play like this, he's probably going to opt out. And then all of a sudden you have to pay him a lot more money. Uh, so that's a factor within this. Um, so D'Lo, I mean, that contract was signed to trade him essentially. Mm -hmm. um, and, and of course, you know, the, the Lakers, it wasn't like a, we're trading him for sure, but it was with him choosing to waive uh, his, you know, uh, it wasn't a technical, uh, you know, uh, it's a no trade clause, no trade. Yeah, basically, uh, with him waiving that it was basically a, we're agreeing that, you know, we're going to sign you to an above market contract. We're going to give you the player option for the second year, but you're going to waive this so we can trade you if we find the right deal. And even Darwin last night kind of hinted at, you know, he was talking about, well, this is trade season and everyone's talking about trades and he was talking about continuity and, and kind of keeping the group together and, and highlighting D'Lo, but he also said kind of sandwiched within the praise of D'Lo was, well, if, if there's an opportunity for us to get better, we're going to take that, uh, of course. So I, I think that's that's the way they're approaching this. Of They're not committed to trading D'Lo. I, I don't think it's it's not been like some untenable situation where uh, he's, you know, wants out and, and they're not happy with him. Like um, it, it's been fine for the most part. Uh, and Darvin has also talked about that as well of, some of the dialogue that he and D'Lo have, and they don't always see eye to eye, but they've started to kind of figure it out. Uh, but D'Lo is, is the guy just kind of by process of elimination of, of looking at the roster and looking at their assets that would have to go out in any sizable deal. Uh, and then Rui is the second guy. And Rui is someone who, depending on who you talk to, has differing value around the league. Like there were some mm -hmm. people who thought that that playoff run was a flash in the pan. And, uh, you know, depending on how you view his season, you can, you know, kind of have some confirmation bias with that but you could also look at some of the highs of his season and, and the way the lakers have misused them at times and kind of played with his role and be like well this is a guy who if we give him a certain role and certain consistency you know he can be a 17 million dollar a year player so yeah. Rui's value really is an i have the beholder thing in terms of you know committing to him for another couple of years uh, i think it has to be a team that wants that type of tweener forward who can you know, overpower you and mismatches and and play the three or the four and um you know complement a, a front court that way but uh right now from everything i'm hearing it's it's Dilo and Rui are the two guys that they would likely be sending out uh gabe doesn't have a lot of value with, with the uncertainty with his injury he's got a couple more years and then austin for them again not fully untouchable that there's you know i would not be shocked if they traded him but i think it would have to be for an all-star level guy and, and I'm saying DeJounte and, and Zach, those are like fringe all-star, like a clear-cut top 30, top 25 guy but would have to be the barometer for an Austin trade. Yep, I agreed. I think that's where they're at. All right, well, Jovan, let's let's finish up with, with this. Uh, trade deadline comes and goes February 8th. I know this is impossible to say with any certainty, but what's your sense? Do they get a deal done, or does the trade deadline go by and the Lakers sit on the sidelines i think they get a deal done uh if you if you look at the history of this front office over the last several years they've been very aggressive even the years um i want to say what it was 2022 uh with, with the Russ situation uh where they didn't end up moving russ uh but they were aggressive in, in their talks uh you know and, and the year before they, they were almost got a deal done for for you know setting out tht to toronto and, and getting back kyle lowry and like so you know, the Lakers have been very aggressive uh, at, at every trade deadline, have 
at least gotten close to some sort of bigger deal at a minimum, if not, you know, remade the entire roster going back to the last trade deadline. So I think something's going to happen uh, because at, you know, at the end of the day, they're in a hole right now. And like, you know, uh, it's nice that they've won four of their last six, but they're still 10th in the West. And, um, you know, Houston isn't going anywhere. Golden State, like, uh, you know, I, I think Utah is obviously playing really well and Phoenix is ascending. So, like, I, I think that there's no guarantee that they move. Like, even if they continue to win, there's no guarantee that they move up that much higher in the West. And if you're the eight or nine seed going into the play-in tournament, like, you want as much firepower as possible. So I, mm -hmm. I think for them, they're viewing it not as a full, let's tear down the roster, let, let's rebuild everything. But if we can you know, move one or two players and bring in another player or two that are better fits or better players or better contracts or, or some combination of that, uh, I think they're, they're going to do it. So I think right now it's just a magnet. It's a question of the magnitude of the deal. Is it a smaller deal where you, you know, you're bringing in um, someone like a, a Terry Rogier or a Dorian Finney-Smith mm -hmm. where those aren't the sexiest of names, but those are guys that could help this roster? Or is it, you know, we're, we're making a bigger deal. We're trading for DeRozan. We're trading for DeJounte Murray. Uh, we're trading for, you know, player X who hasn't been named yet. Like something like that of a, a higher level. So I think it's really just, is it a smaller deal, small to mid-sized deal or, or you know, a, a big deal but i think something's gonna happen at, at a minimum uh and, and you know potentially a, a couple deals i like it hopefully there's a little bit of excitement coming at the trade deadline for the lakers uh yovan thank you so much for coming on man i appreciate it thank you for having me guys make sure you find yovan's work at the athletic does a fantastic job over there stick around i'm going to get into the mailbag in just a moment we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, great stuff from Jovan there on the current state of the Lakers as well as the trade market. Now, let's open up the mailbag and see what Lakers Nation has to say. A lot of stuff going on, especially in the wake of that Lakers win over the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, Garrett said, Let, uh, let's see them get in rhythm and get 100% healthy. 
Yeah, I mean, look, that's that's really what we're hoping for, right? And what the Lakers, their front office, really needs to see before the trade deadline is that the team, they get healthy, they get into a rhythm, and then they have a real sense of what this team is and what this team isn't. I, I mean, they've been so Jekyll and Hyde up to this point. We know what they can be. We saw that in the in-season tournament. We also know what their floor is. <laughs> their floor is disastrously low, and we saw that for a good chunk of the month of December, every, basically everything post-in-season tournament, all the way up until these last few games, uh, we've seen how badly they, they can look as well. So what's real? What's the truth? What are they? That's that's really the question that the front office needs to answer, as, as uh, Jovan and I talked about. Logan, so what are your top three realistic trade prospects? Do we need a trade or multiple trades? Um, to answer the second question first, I think, yes, the Lakers still need a trade. It could be multiple trades, particularly if it's more of a minor trade that we see them uh, get involved with. If it's more of a on the margins or in the margins type of deal, then multiple trades could be in order where you add, and I'm talking about you add two players or something like that. In, if they're not, you're not going and getting, say, a DeJounte Murray. Instead, you're going to get like Tyus Jones and Daniel Gafford or something like that in order to make the kind of impact I think the Lakers need. And I don't think the Lakers need like, home run it's you better go out and get a 1a superstar right now or it's all over i don't think that's the situation i don't think there's a 1a superstar out of the market either but i don't think that's the situation that they're in but i do think they need more than like if you just go add a backup big i don't think that moves the needle enough for the lakers so i'm thinking you need either if you're if it's a one trade you need like a quasi all-star level player that you're bringing in if it's multiple trades and i'm talking about for multiple players i mean in theory you could bring in like three guys four guys in one trade if it's more of a minor minor players coming in role players coming in guys who are maybe starters but probably coming off the bench for you those types of players you probably need multiple guys that's that fit very specific things that the Lakers need, uh, particularly with the three-point shooting. You could use another guard defender and, of course, using another big as well. Uh, the top three realistic trade prospects. So I think Dorian Finney-Smith is a realistic option. The Nets have been sliding. They're a team that's looking to make a move. Dorian Finney-Smith is a guy that I'd look at. I do think Tyus Jones makes a lot of sense, too, and the Lakers and the Wizards have a history of trading together. And then... You know, DeJounte Murray, I, I think it's real. I also think the Lakers' concerns about this taking too long are real, too. They don't want to wait around forever for the Atlanta Hawks to figure out life and decide whether or not they're going to trade DeJounte Murray. And I think if I'm the Hawks, though, I want to wait. I want to wait till closer to the trade deadline and see if the offers get better, particularly when DeJounte Murray's hitting game winners. Why not wait and see if somebody increases their offer? So I'm going to say Tyus Jones... Uh, is one of them. The easy answer, and Dorian Finney-Smith as well, then the easy answer would be to go to, say, like Colin Sexton. I think he's another guy who does make some sense, but again, is that a guy you want to give up D'Angelo Russell to get? There's more contractual certainty uh, in the long term, so maybe there's something there. But you tend to go to teams that you've traded with before, and I think that's why Washington and Utah come up. And with that in mind, could the Lakers get in on something with the Orlando Magic? You know, this is a team they've traded with uh, for a number of years. Uh, they've done a lot of deals with Orlando. Could you get something? Could you get in on like a Wendell Carter or Gary Harris or, or someone like that? 
that's something I'd be keeping an eye on as well. And not something we've heard anything about. But again, teams that have traded together in the past tend to trade together again in the future. Uh, Jet Blue said, am I the only one who wants to keep D'Lo? No, look, especially when D'Lo's playing like this, when he puts up 29 points like he did the other day. Uh, Matthew, real opportunity for LA to reel off 10 straight to finish off the month. That Clippers game being the one tough game left. Uh, and we're 2-0 and this year against the Clippers. Well, that's true. You're 2-0 and against the Clippers. Let me take a peek at the schedule here, though. Um, the Lakers, obviously, they've got the Nets coming up tonight. But here's what you've got. So 10 games. Uh, you've got Brooklyn, Portland, the Clippers, Chicago, Golden State, Houston, Atlanta, Boston, New York, Charlotte. That's your 10 games. I would say Boston definitely stands out as a team that's going to be a tough one. Also of note, starting with Golden State, Golden State, Houston, Atlanta, Boston, New York, Charlotte, that's all on the road. That's the Grammy road trip there. You've got uh, that's six games straight on the road for the Lakers. That's not easy. That's not easy. And then on top of that, uh, Houston and then Atlanta is the second night of the back-to-back. So you do a Monday, Tuesday there. That's tough. Back-to-backs are always a killer. And by the way, you've got another one. You've got Thursday, February 8th, and February 9th is a back-to-back as well, and it's Denver and New Orleans. Why does New Orleans keep getting the Lakers on the second night of back-to-backs? By the way, if you actually look into it, the Lakers, and look, every team has to deal with things. But... The Lakers this season have the second most games this on the season where they would be considered the tired team. In other words, they're coming off a back-to-back and their opponent is not. So where they would be considered the tired team, the Lakers have 12 such scenarios this season where their opponent is fresh and the Lakers are not. Um, that is, again, the second highest in the NBA. Uh, the highest is the Orlando Magic, or 13 times. And then where the Lakers are the rested team and and are considered the, the fresh team, the Lakers have just seven. Again, tied, there's like a four-way tie here, for the second fewest games where the Lakers have a rest advantage, where they are considered the fresh team and the opponent is not. So where the Lakers have had a day of rest, say, and the opponent is on the second night of a back-to-back. So the Lakers' schedule really did them no favors. Um, they don't have a lot of situations where their opponent's on the back-to-back, and they're not. They also have a lot of situations uh, where the Lakers are on a back-to-back, and their opponent is not. So this schedule, in addition to the teams that you're playing, whew, absolutely, absolutely brutal for the Lakers this year. All right. Um, are they really going to go 10 straight? I would love to see it because that would mean wins over Boston, wins over the Clippers. That'd be great. But uh, every other game that I name certainly winnable. The challenge, though, is that you're out on the road. You're out on the road and, and just that's that's tough being on the road. Preston said, with these starters, no need to trade major pieces. I'm still concerned about the starters defense. I think that will ultimately get exploited. That said, if you go add somebody that can play both sides of the ball, again, I see Torian Prince as more of a one-way player at this point than a two-way player. That doesn't mean he is a terrible defensive player. You know, but he's not 
you can't ask him to defend Luca. You can't ask him to defend those high scoring players. And if that's the case, who does it? Who, who does it? Like what happens when they play the Clippers? Let's say, think about that. Who's defending Paul George. Who's defending Kawhi Leonard. Who's defending James Harden. The answer for at least a couple of those guys is Austin Reeves, D'Angelo Russell, Torian Prince. That's not going to go so well. So that's a concern that I've got with the starting group. That said, the offense has looked much better with these starters. Uh, Dodger Rich said, what are your thoughts on consistency for this team? They haven't had it. You see a game like this and it makes you shake your head. They have not had consistency. Some of that has been due to injuries. Some of that has been the constant revolving door of players getting healthy as other guys are getting hurt. And there's nothing you can do about that. That's that's just that's bad luck. That's the injury bug being a jerk. Some of it is by choice. Where Darvin Ham, when he's got guys healthy, is not playing guys that were together last season that would have that chemistry. Some of it's by choice. Some of it is injuries have done this. Um, but the consistency overall in terms of beyond the rotation, the consistency for the team is, is non-existent in terms of their how, their level of play. This may be the most inconsistent team I've ever seen. If we're talking about their level of play, this team can look great this team can look amazing we saw it during the in-season tournament their defense looks suffocating and then they turn around and they become the team that gives up more wide open threes than anybody in the nba and like significantly more wide open threes than the worst team at that last year they give up i want to say it's three more uncontested threes like wide open threes per game than the worst team at that last year, which I believe was the Houston Rockets off the top of my head. That's quite a roller coaster. That's quite a roller coaster to go from this incredible defense that we see in the in-season tournament to, oh my gosh, we can't stop giving people wide open looks. So there is no consistency. Hopefully, if Darvin Ham can lock into a starting five that, fingers crossed, stays healthy, we can start to see some of that consistency develop in the second half of the season. By the way, we're only about halfway through the season now crazy to think how much has happened and we're only halfway uh jet blue said ad finally figuring out how to pass out of the double team he should do it more mimics joker vando and delo cutting delo and ad together is fire well delo does a great job finding anthony davis so that's certainly something to consider but anthony davis finally figuring out how to pass out of the double team he's certainly gotten enough practice at it teams double him a lot he has indeed improved. LeBron talked about that recently in his post game uh, after the Lakers beat the Mavs. He said he's been learning from LeBron, uh, which LeBron's one of the best passers in the league that we've ever seen. So uh, that makes sense. But yeah, AD getting better at passing out of the double. That's critical because teams are going to keep sending those doubles at him. Okay, I'll be honest. I'm not really, I'm usually pretty good at deciphering these. I know there's a a, a limit here, a character limit over on, on YouTube when you're putting in your message. Um, I'm not really sure what, what point he's being made here in this one, but he does say get Drummond. Um, Andre Drummond, maybe that's an option out there in the center market. You know, Andre Drummond's a guy to keep an eye on. Daniel Gafford is a guy that I like a lot. Uh, Sean really likes Nick Richards. Yeah, look, if you can get a serviceable backup big, I think that wouldn't be a bad thing, and that's not a knock on Christian Wood. I think Christian Wood has done 
a pretty admirable job over the last few weeks, particularly as the three-point shot has come back around for him. He's been putting in the effort on the boards, been doing things to help protect the rim. But, but I still think you could use another body, particularly if it's a big physical player that can protect the rim. Don't need them to shoot threes. Give me a big, strong physical rim protector uh, to deal with like the Jokic of the world. Not that you're ever going to stop him because you're not, but I think the Lakers could use that skill set because they don't have it. And honestly, I don't think you can put Jackson Hayes on the floor. I, I wish it was different, and I hope I'm wrong. Guys, I hope I'm wrong. I hope Jackson Hayes gets a nice, gets his next opportunity and comes roaring back. He's incredibly athletic, but he can't stop fouling. You can't trust him to set a screen without committing a, a foul. I, I don't think you can put him on the floor. I don't think you can count on him at this point. So with that being the case... I think you need a big. You need another big on the market this year. And if it's Andre Drummond, I wouldn't be opposed to that. Gabriel said, Dilo, Rui, JHS, and a first for Murray and Hunter. So DeAndre Hunter. Um, DeAndre Hunter's got a pretty big contract, and I think the Lakers are going to be keeping a real close eye on the money, particularly for this coming summer, because things are going to get tight. I did a video over on YouTube with Keith Smith a few days ago all about this. So go check that out. But money's going to be real close for that second-tier apron for the Lakers. So absorbing future salary is something you got to be careful with. That said, D'Lo, is he going to opt out or not? We we don't know what he's going to do, do with that player option this summer. Uh, Rui, JHS. You know, and, and the first. Like, if that gets the deal done, like the deal that we've heard, what's been out there, is something along the lines of, D'Lo, JHS, and a first for Murray. That's kind of what the Lakers are offering. Um, the Hawks want Reeves. The Lakers have been very, very, I mean, direct in saying they're not going to trade Austin Reeves. So D'Lo, though, and I know this is where people will chime in. And they'll go, well, I like D'Lo better than Reeves. Why would you not trade Reeves? It's the contract the contract and in addition to the Lakers believe in Austin Reeves they think he's a good player and, and all of that sort of stuff Austin Reeves is locked up on a long-term contract that's very team friendly D'Angelo Russell has a player option this summer so one of two things is going to happen he's either going to pick up that option and then you get him for like 18 million next year and if he keeps playing the way he's playing right now I'm sure people will be just fine with that now does it create some financial complications sure but if he continues to play the way he's played right now He's opting out of that deal, and he's going to get a lot more, which makes a big problem for you this summer when you're looking at that second-tier apron and you're trying to hang on to Max Christie and you're trying to, to fill out this roster. It's going to be very challenging to do so. So it makes a lot of sense to try to find a deal for D'Angelo Russell right now before you can run into that specific situation. Um. Again, it's possible he just picks up the option and off you go, or I, I don't. we don't know exactly what's going to come up this summer. But because of that uncertainty, maybe the Lakers don't want to deal with that, and maybe they want to move on. So that's where we can see D'Lo have these good games. His Rather than his play on the floor, his contract says you have to listen to trades. You have to, the, the second he signed that contract, he was going to be on the trade market. That's what the contract essentially says. If you read between the lines, the structure of the contract says this deal is made to be traded. That's the way it goes. So um, we know D'Lo is the guy the Lakers are 
potentially looking to move. DeAndre Hunter for Rui is essentially what we're adding into it. I'm fine with DeAndre Hunter. If the Hawks, if that was what made the Hawks take the deal, uh, I guess you probably do it. DeAndre Hunter. Rui has three years on his deal, so two more years after this one, and he's making 18-ish at the end of it. DeAndre Hunter this year is making 20. 21 the next year. 23 the year after that. 25 the year after that. That gets tough. That's a lot of long-term commitment to DeAndre Hunter, who ironically was actually drafted by the Lakers um, in the Anthony Davis trade. He's averaging 15 points per game right now, shooting 40% from three, 24 years old. I'm sorry, 26 years old. Four rebounds. I mean, if that's what it takes to get the deal done, you're absorbing that extra salary from DeAndre Hunter. You probably do it. You probably do it. The Lakers tend to value future flexibility, but I think if that's what gets the deal done, you probably do it. And I don't know exactly how the Hawks value DeAndre Hunter. Would they rather have Rui's shorter-term contract? The, what we saw come out with, from Michael Scotto was that the Hawks don't want to take on any salaries after this year, and so the uh, Dilo would actually need to be routed to a third team for uh, in a deal for uh, for Murray. So that's something else to keep an eye on. This would have to be a three-team trade with the Lakers and the Hawks, which is tough. Jay Stubbs said, Cam, $2 million. Hayes, $2 million. Vincent, $10 million. That's $14 million and a first-round pick to try to upgrade. Yeah. And look, the thing about Cam and Hayes is they both have player options for next year. So, like Hayes in particular, if you can, if you can save a little bit of money, maybe even duck below the tax line, which would be good because the Lakers are a repeater team, in the tax, um, would it be worth it? It would save you a big chunk of money. I don't know exactly how much money off the top of my head, but it'd save you a lot of money. Like if you could just shed, like in a bigger trade, shed a few million dollars, that could actually save the Lakers a lot. And then if you don't have to worry about Hayes picking up his option next year, I don't know about Cam. I know people are kind of down on him right now, but he's also done some good things for them defensively this season. Gabe Vincent has three years under contract. If you could also turn him into an expiring contract, that actually opens up a lot of flexibility for the Lakers. So, like, let's say you were to do, look, $14 million. Let's say you were to do Cam Hayes and Gabe Vincent for uh, Tyus Jones. Not only could that potentially, I'd have to add up all the numbers, because I know Cam is not exactly $2 million. Hayes is not exactly $2 million. Vincent is $10.5 million. But that would get you pretty close to dropping below the tax this year. Maybe you'd have to shed one more salary or so. Now the problem is you'd have to add some salaries to your books because you would be you'd be trading away three and only taking back one. So you'd have to add at least two more players. So that would probably, you know, skew all your numbers on this. But it would certainly open up your flexibility for the future. And money-wise, it easily matches Tyus Jones 14 million. Uh the question is if that's what you would do it. Now, are you giving up a first for Tyus Jones in that deal? Probably not. Probably not. But if you can do it for a couple of seconds, maybe. Uh, this one says, and here we go. Yeah, I mean, Lakers got the win. This one says, why is everyone so damn negative? This is Jay Dominator. Enjoy the win. Damn, we got to knock this off as a fan base. Were people being super negative after the Lakers won? I was happy. I was excited. 
I wasn't overly negative or anything like that. I think the only negative thing that I have to say is, um, and I've yet to see the, the, the tracking data come out, which is kind of weird, but um, I wanted to see how many open threes the Lakers gave up against the Mavs. I know the Mavs missed a few that they would probably like to have back. Against OKC, the Lakers actually gave up a ton, like even more than they normally do, open threes, and the Thunder just missed them. Uh, they shot 29% on open threes. The Mavs in this game shot 28%. I'm rounding up to get there from deep. Obviously, that makes a big difference in the outcome of game. I mean, the Lakers still won by 17, but that can make a big difference in a game. I want to see how many of the 43s the Mavs took were considered wide open. That's what that's a stat that I want to see. And then what did they shoot on those wide open looks? Because again, the Lakers have been giving up a lot of wide open threes. Teams have been knocking them down. I want to know was this did the Lakers do a better job forcing contested shots on these threes and not give up so many wide open? Or did the Mavs just miss wide open looks and it was just an unlucky night for the Mavs as kind of we saw with OKC. Again, it's not to say the Lakers didn't deserve those wins, but they and they had been getting lit up from deep. Teams probably shot a little above uh, above what they should from three. So was this a correction of sorts with OKC and Dallas and the Lakers still gave up a lot of open looks? Or did their defense actually make some changes and make those looks a bit more contested. That's something I want to see. Saber said, the only trade for Murray is using Rui and JHS with picks. I've heard it's D'Lo. Like specifically heard it's D'Lo that the Lakers are looking to trade here. Uh, said, I don't want to lose Reeves. Also, what do you guys think of trading for either Brogdon or Bogdanovich? I'd be good with either. Again, I, I've seen Blazers. I haven't seen anything specifically from the Blazers organization but a lot of Blazers fans take it as a um, something they are proud of. The fact that they've never traded with the Lakers. Maybe that's something organizationally. I don't know. But Bogdanovich, yeah, you don't even have to specify which one. Either one. Bojan Bogdanovich, Bogdan Bogdanovich. I'd be cool with either one coming over to the Lakers. Sir Haro said, great win. However, looking at the standings, which team can the Lakers overtake? Or is it another play-in team this year? Well, I mean, look, there, you got half the season left. You look at the standings, the Lakers right now sitting in the 10 seed. Who's right ahead of them? You're half a game behind Utah. Will Utah eventually fall back to earth? They're 8-2 and two in their last 10 games. Will, will things right themselves there? They are right now three games behind the 6th seed, and that's Dallas. That's a lot of ground to make up. There's no question. And is Dallas going to lose a bunch of games here? Is Sacramento going to fall off too much? I mean, Sacramento's actually lost four in a row now. Um Phoenix is two games up on the Lakers. They've won their last three. They're starting to figure it out. So it's hard to see who it is the Lakers catch, but there's a lot of time left to catch up with teams. So I think the Lakers can get themselves out of the play-in. They got to chip away at it. It's going to be difficult, though. I think they have to make a push right now. They have to do this next stretch of games. You've got to win the vast majority of them. You know, you, you probably have to go eight and two in the next 10 because what's going to happen? is, like I said, the schedule makers did the Lakers no favors. You get to March, oh boy, the schedule gets brutal. So bad. I mean, you look at this, and you there, there's no let-up. There's no let-up. Listen to this. This is the Lakers, the Lakers schedule in March. And tell me where the wins are, <laughs> right? Here we go. The Lakers finished the month of February on 
Leap day, February 29th, they play the Wizards. Okay? So February 29th, you flip over to March. This is the schedule. Denver, OKC, Sacramento, Milwaukee, Minnesota, Sacramento, Golden State, Atlanta. Okay. that And Golden State is below 500 right now as well. Atlanta. Okay. Philadelphia. Indy, who just got Pascal Siakam. Milwaukee. Memphis. It's Memphis. They're going to be struggling, but it's the second night of a back-to-back. You go at Milwaukee, at Memphis, on the road, second night of a back-to-back. Indiana. Brooklyn. Okay, maybe there's a win there, right? Toronto. Second night of a back-to-back at Washington. Washington's still not good. You should win against Toronto and Washington, but it's a back-to-back. Cleveland. Minnesota, Golden State, at Memphis. Okay, there's Memphis. New Orleans, at New Orleans to finish the season. That's March through April. That's six weeks. And there are three games that I saw where I went, okay, cool. The, that, the schedule lightens up a little bit there. Like Golden State, they're certainly going to be trying to make a playoff push there, and you see them twice. So I don't mark that as like, not that there's a lot of gimme wins in the NBA this season in general, but like they're they're not a tanking team. You get Memphis twice, who may be full tank mode during that se- section. Brooklyn has been struggling lately, and you get Washington. So that's four games. It'd be interesting to see where Toronto's at. But you've got a lot of really difficult matchups there. That's why you have to stack as many wins as you can right now. Right now, you got to stack as many wins as you can. And by the way, you go back into February, before that Washington game I talked about, Clippers, Phoenix. You get San Antonio, then Golden State on the road, second night of a back-to-back. Or no, first night of a back-to-back. It's San Antonio is the second night of the back-to-back. God. I look at the schedule. Every time I look at it, I just wind up shaking my head. Like, what? who did the Lakers piss off? In in NBA offices, because this schedule that they came that they were given, I mean it it is whew, rough. Uh, let LeBron facilitate and create for D'Lo and AD early equals wins. Let LeBron pick his time on offense and strike in certain spots. Teams getting healthy. Let's go Lake Show. Yeah, I mean LeBron doesn't want to be in the facilitator role role all the time. But if he can do that and kind of be in cruise control, ultimately that's a win, especially if it if it helps get other guys going. Jay Dominator, why not give Boogie a chance? I swear, we're, I'm going to be asking that question five years from now. People are going to be saying, Boogie Cousins can still come play. I had somebody tag me in a Dwight Howard thing the other day. Um, I, I've got nothing against Boogie. I've got nothing against Dwight. I've nothing against... I'm surprised I haven't heard Hassan Whiteside at this point. I hope these guys can come back and I hope they all play and play well. But what we've seen happening in the NBA is that these guys are falling off pretty quick, these bigs. I don't know. Like, what what you really need in a backup big is somebody who can defend the rim, block shots, rebound the basketball. Is that Boogie Cousins right now? Is Boogie even in shape right now? I don't know. You can say, well, that that's Dwight. Well, that was Dwight a few years ago. Is that Dwight now? I don't know. I, I tend to think guys in general, if they can help an NBA team, they'd be in, in the NBA in general. Do sometimes guys get, get missed? Yes. 
It happens. But I'm not holding my breath that Boogie Cousins, Dwight Howard, these guys are going to come back in and, and help the Lakers this season. Jack said, I'm really torn. They have the depth, but lack shooting. Regardless, they're going nowhere as long as our bum of a coach has his hands super glued to his pockets. Darwin just needs pocketless pants. That's the, that, that solves everything. That fixes the whole problem. No pockets for Darwin. I thought Darwin coached a good game against the Mavs. I really did. I even thought there was a moment where the Mavs went on a little bit, like cut into the Lakers' lead a little bit. I believe it was in the third quarter. And in my head, I'm thinking, call a timeout. Boom. Darwin calls timeout. I was, I was shocked. I'm like, he never does this. He never puts a stop to runs with a timeout. At least not until it's you know like a few possessions too late, and he did it. I thought I thought Darwin coached a, a pretty good game, um, with the exception of I wanted to see him mirror Jared Vanderbilt's minutes with those of Luca, especially in the first half. Drove me a little bit crazy there, where Vando was coming into the game when Luca was not on the floor, which didn't make sense, and then asking Torian Prince to defend Luca when Luca's actually on and Vando's off. Didn't make a lot of sense. I know they used Vando on Kyrie a little bit too, but Kyrie didn't have it going. So that was the the only thing really I was I would quibble over. Uh, Halla said, saw and heard Ham calling out assignments and kept his hands out of his pockets more. Oh, there, maybe it was the hands were out of the pockets. He said, hopefully a sign that he's much more focused. The level of focus has to do with whether or not his hands are in his pockets. Um, maybe there's Darwin is making progress there. He's keeping his hands in his pockets less. I want someone to ask Darvin about this. I want someone to ask Darvin about keeping his hands in his pocket just to see how he would even respond. Like, would he just laugh? Chris said, great win, let's go. That's right. And uh, Gene said, Master Lock, Luca, he cries too much to the refs. Well, Luca certainly does. He's known for that. Uh, Luca is, is an incredible basketball. Luca is known for three things. He's an incredible basketball player. He complains a lot to the officials. And he wears a terrible headband. Those three things comes with the territory with Luca, future Laker. Let me speak that into existence, Luca. All right, everybody. Well, we do have Lakers Nets tonight, which is now a nationally televised game. Um, come join us over on Playback, Playback.tv/LakersNation, or on the YouTube channel, YouTube.com/LakersNation, and hang out with us during the game. We'll be chatting throughout it, doing the play-by-play, talking through everything. All of that. So come hang out with us during Lakers-Nets tonight. Let's go, Lakers. Let's get another win. Start stacking them up. We're going to need them. It's tough times are coming. Got to stack up as many wins as you can right now. Thank you again, everybody, for joining. Till next time, see ya, and stay safe. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.